right? So that's the idea is the foundations of the church. Going back, um, taking a look at what originally all of this looked like um, by going back to Acts. Um, because there is a lot of confusion about what is church, what is it not, is it this building we're sitting in, is it the thing we go to once a week? Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, if you were here, we showed this video to kind of lead into this, where it's talking about all those uh, confusions, but the main idea that we're going to get out of it is the church is us, which is the movement of us going out, spreading the gospel, um, focused on that mission, and that's what we're going to talk about. And so tonight, though, um, as we start to look through the book of Acts, don't worry, I'm not going to do the entire book, because if I did every story, we'd be here for a year. Um, so we will do a little bit of skipping around, but we are going to start right at the very beginning of the book tonight um, with Jesus' farewell address. Um, Sorry, a little bit of introduction here. This is um, Luke, the doctor, writing this. Uh, he's the one that also wrote the book of Luke, okay? Um, and this picks up right where he left off in it. You know, in the Gospel of Luke, he walks through all of Jesus' life, all the way up to the death and um, burial and resurrection. And then he picks up, because at the end of it, it kind of leads off with, um, he's back and he's talking to his disciples. This one picks up from right there. He's back, he's talking to his disciples. Um, but at the end of this, uh, this passage tonight, he's going to be going back to heaven. Um, the fancy word here, the ascension. He ascended into heaven, um, and it's we're taking a look at in those last moments, because he'd been with them for a few weeks at this point, 40 days, um, in those last moments, what was it he wanted to set up for them? What was it he wanted to give them um, as that parting uh, kind of thought? And so what we're going to see is Luke is writing this um, somewhere in the mid-60s, 80s. So this is like 30 years after Jesus um, was crucified. Um, so it's not, I know, to most of us in this room, 30 years is a long time. Um, but in the history scale, that's not a long time later that he's writing this. Um, and as we kind of get through this, we'll talk about probably at what point he's actually setting down and going back and putting all this in here. Um, but he's writing it like 30 years later as he's traveling with Paul, um, you know, as his personal physician and helper and all of this. And he's getting to see parts of it as we go through this. Um, we'll talk about kind of why he leaves off where he does and all of that. So the book itself is going to cover kind of that 30-year span. Um, it's about two-thirds of it being about Paul. Um, but the whole thing is about that early church. How did it get started? How did it get moved? Um, and we've been talking about that with the youth group on Wednesdays. We started in Acts. And we're going to kind of see we've already done all of Acts in two weeks. It was a very brief introduction to it. And now we're going to kind of talk about how the church got from there to here to understand the movement that we're in. Um, but right here, as Jesus is coming to them, as I said, he's got this last little bit for them. So let's start reading uh, right at the, book, uh, the beginning of the chapter. Uh, and he says, in my former book, Theophilus, and if you're familiar with the book of Luke, that's how it starts off, um, not in my former book, but to the most excellent Theophilus. Theophilus was the guy who was paying Luke to go out and he kind of commissioned these works 
to be written, um, a whole report to be drawn up. Um, the fact that he addressed him in Luke as um, most excellent Theophilus means he was kind of higher-ranking Roman official. He had a lot riding on this if he decided to go all in and believe. So he paid the smartest guy he knew, a doctor, in a time when most people couldn't even read, to go out and investigate, and that's what it was. And so Luke is really good at writing a history book. And so now he's setting this up as part two. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Uh, some of the you know gospels they kind of share with us a little bit more about that uh, period of time when he's come back to life and he's trying to convince them no it really is me the stories of doubting Thomas and having to actually touch the wounds and understand that this really is the guy we've been following we really did see him die on the cross and now he really is standing in front of us in full um, lively bodily form this isn't a ghost this isn't a trick. This really is Jesus. And so now he spent 40 days saying, okay, now that the big reveal has happened, here's what you need to understand about the kingdom. And he goes on to say, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. And that had been promised a little while back when he had said that you know, before the crucifixion, when he started to talk about the fact that he was going to leave, that he was going somewhere, and the disciples didn't like that idea, and he said, no, it's better for you if I do. There's going to be one coming after me that's going to enable you with power to do even greater things. That's the promise he's talking about. Um, so do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Think about how amazing, as he's setting this up, and again, kind of like at the Last Supper, the disciples don't realize how short their time is, but Jesus fully knows he's only got a little bit of time here to leave them with this, and he reminds them of that promise. He knows, hey, I'm going to be leaving. Now's the time to remind them of the promise that when I leave, God has promised that he's sending somebody to them to help comfort and take care of and encourage and give them the power and the ability to go out and do this. So he gave them that instruction of wait right here in Jerusalem. That promise is going to be fulfilled. When the time comes, you'll know it and you'll be able to leave. And that's going to be next week when we really talk about that um, in chapter 2. And so... He's telling them that's the thing you've got to wait for. And there's going to be good reason for that next week. Why we'll see that being right there waiting in Jerusalem is exactly where they need to be for God to move the way that only God can do. Let's keep going here. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, for the disciples, this kind of still shows that they don't get it. Everything that happened, they still don't understand at this point in time how it fulfills the scriptures, how 
this whole Jesus thing is supposed to work. They don't understand what type of Messiah he is. They're still trying to grapple with the idea that the Messiah even could be crucified. They're still expecting this warrior king who's going to come in, run out the Romans, and establish the kingdom of Israel once and for all. So they're saying, is it time for that? Jesus doesn't necessarily correct their theology, but just kind of lets them down. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. One of the kind of buzzwords in business and church and everything these days is the idea of a vision statement. And man, if there ever was a vision statement, that was it right there. That you're going to start in Jerusalem and you're going to spread out to Judea and Samaria and you're going all the way to the ends of the world with this. That's the vision. A mission is kind of the what's important, um, the why. The vision's about what you're actually going to do, the steps you're going to take to get there. And Jesus lays it out. You're starting right here and moving out. So if we were to look and kind of connect that together with that mission statement, if he made a mission statement, what was it? It was back in Matthew chapter 28, right at the end, um, which again kind of falls in the same time frame where he's already done the crucifixion, resurrection. He's been teaching and preaching, leading up to the time he's getting ready to ascend. And this is where he said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So if you're looking for kind of mission statement and vision statement, so to speak, of what the disciples were all about, that's it right there. Between those two verses, it covers the what and the where. He tells them, here's your mission. Go out, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. Where? You're going to start right here, and you're going to slowly spread out until you reach the ends of the world. Pretty big vision. Huge mission. But he's capable. I love, um, in our little uh, countdown video this week, I thought it was just fun to put a funny one in there instead of just the clock. Uh, but I like what they said at the very end about letting God do the impossible while we do the possible. And that's exactly what they're going to be doing. Let's keep looking. After he said this, so that's, he was taken up before their very eyes. Right after he said this. And you have the mission, the mission, here's the vision. You're going to get the Holy Spirit. When I leave, keep in mind the promise. The Holy Spirit's coming. You're going to start here. You're going to spread out. And then he leaves. He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they asked, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus, who has been taken away from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. 
And I kind of love the, again, I think you unintentionally read into the scriptures a little bit of your own attitude here. And there is this kind of sarcasm and challenge in what the um, angels tell the guys. They say, why are you still standing here? Jesus gave you exactly what you're supposed to do. Now you're just staring at the sky. Yes, do you realize Jesus just left you? But why are you still standing here? He'll be back. But for now, you've got your marching orders. There's kind of a challenge from them. And that's got to be a huge moment for them. I mean, the teacher and the leader for the last three years or so, they went through all of the anxiety of watching him crucified, thinking everything they'd given up, everything in their life had been wrong, had been a lie, that this guy wasn't really the Messiah. But then the resurrection happened in that 40 days where he's going around giving all these proofs. Look, here, I promise, it's me. And that whole emotional roller coaster for him to remind them, I've got to go away for a while. When he actually does, they're left kind of stunned Kind of that, what do we do now? Even though he told them, and it takes that kind of push from the angels. Why are you still standing here? You know what to do. But at the same time, next week we'll see, they had to wait. So it was kind of this hurry up and wait. But it was this message of, don't just stand there. Don't be looking at the sky, waiting on Jesus to come back and give you the next thing. You've got your marching orders. He'll be back when he's ready. And that's going to be the thing about all of Acts. Because the rest of this book, it's about their pursuit of fulfilling that mission and vision. As we start to unpack everything um, in the coming weeks about all of this, you're going to see uh, next week it's going to be that promise fulfilled when they get the Holy Spirit, what that looks like. But then it's going to immediately turn into, okay, we've started in Jerusalem, let's spread out. And we watch it until Paul picks up the mission here in a few chapters and really does run into everything that they know is the known world at that time. That's what this whole book is about. This is where the church starts, is in this idea of go make disciples, baptize them, teach them. Start where you are, spread out, make sure everybody gets to know that good news. That's what this book is about. That's what church is about. That's when we start trying to define that word and going back, looking for that simple pursuit of where we started, this is it right here. I got one short video um, and then I'll come up and kind of explain how we're going to try to make this happen uh, with who we've got, and we'll go from there. Make sense? Let's watch this.
today I would have you leave here with tonight that question of the angels. Why are you still standing there? And the mission of Jesus, therefore, go.